Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. For all the promises of God, look at what it says after that. In Him are yes. And then it says, in Him, amen. This in Him is very, very important. Not only is Jesus Christ living inside of you by the power of the Spirit, not only is Jesus living in you, and that is awesome, but the parallel truth, the thing that happens simultaneously with you opening your life to him and him moving in and making your heart his home is that you also now are in him. The best illustration I've ever heard of this was involves a, a, a large aircraft, a plane. How many of you really like gyoza and really crave gyoza? I know one. There's one for sure. Erico really likes gyoza. Robert likes gyoza. Some of us who've been and spent time in Japan really like good gyoza, okay? Now, you don't find super good gyoza around here, but if you really want really good gyoza and you desire to get good gyoza, you can set out on this journey and try and figure out, well, how am I going to get good gyoza? Well, I'm going to have to go over to Tokyo to get really good gyoza. But then I start thinking about how am I going to get there? But the idea is, if at some point in time, I get in the plane, and I get on the plane, now I'm wanting to get to that destination. I want that. But I have to get in something to get there. So it's, we, we really, in our desire to follow the Lord and to know the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord, we, we, we not only does he live within us, but we get in with him. Let me go to Deuteronomy just for a moment, chapter 11. This will really, I think, help the blank stares that I receive. Okay, when we talk about the promises of God, someone who totals these things up has come up with over 3,000 Bible promises of God. Over 3,000 in the word of promises. That's a lot, huh? Now, a lot of people live in Deuteronomy, and this is a struggle that we face as believers. We live in Deuteronomy 11, beginning in verse 22, because this is where the promises, it kind of launches into this concept about the promises. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. And every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. In the Old Testament, it is consistently, if you, then I will. If, then. That's the way it works. All the Old Testament works that way in the promises. If, then. This is a tough thing for me. This is a tough thing for all of us. It's consistent. If, then. 
we can spend a lot of our Christian experience in that same mentality. If, then. Paul is teaching something very, very significant in 2 Corinthians, in just verse 20, something very important. What portion of the Bible do you believe that the brand new believers, the New Testament church that he's writing to in Corinth, what portion of Scripture do you think they used and had? They didn't have the canonized New Testament of the Bible. They didn't have what you're enjoying. What did they have? They had the if, then. They had all of the Old Testament available to them as God's Word, but they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. They didn't have that. You've got that. I've got that. We're blessed by that. We're blessed by that Scripture, and it's awesome that Paul would write to them and, and that they would receive that. But what when he's writing this and he says, for all the promises, all the promises, all of those promises, all of the if-thens, all of them, all of those promises, the Old Testament, he says, in him are yes, in him, amen. Or so be it. Now, if things are going well, so if things are going well, then you and I feel like then, God, we will be the recipient. If things are well, then I might be able to be a recipient. The problem is, is now if I go into that mentality, then, if I've I'm doing well in my walk, and I feel like I've, I've, I've read just the right amount devotional. I prayed just the right amount. This is why I hate religion, because I think religion leads to this. It leads to a piety. It leads to a, a, a prideful vantage point that God then owes, you see? If I've done this, so God, you owe me, then you owe me, God. Now, that's prideful, and that's, that's a whole other issue of sin, right? That's a whole other thing. Because God's not going to be the respecter of persons. So now I'm, oh, wow, I'm in a real quandary inside myself. Because if things are going well, then I think God owes me. But now I'm out of line because I'm caught up in my own prideful attitude of I've done the right thing, so now God owes me and is obligated to bless. When all of this is contained in the person of Jesus Christ, all of it, you see, because I'm frustrated with the ifs and the thens. I'm frustrated by that. And you know what? You're supposed to be. The Bible says you're supposed to be. The New Testament declares to us, Paul tells us in Galatians, that the, 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 the Old Testament, the law itself, was to be our schoolmaster, our tutor. Something that would drive us to the cross, which represents what? God's grace, unmerited love and favor for you and for me. That's this powerful truth. This can revolutionize your Christian experience. Because hung, hung up, I was going to say hunkered down, but hung up's good. Um, hung up or hunkered down in this thought, either way is okay. But stuck in that mentality of the ifs and the thens is all legalism. And you and I are frustrated by that because you see, or we go into a prideful viewpoint of ourselves. Either way, we're in trouble with God. 
It, 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 it's a breach. It's going to breach our relationship. Either way. So the frustration part is because I know I can't live up to all the ifs. I can't do it. But that frustration is right where God wants you and me to be because the, the law is our schoolmaster, our tutor. This, this thing that drives us to the grace and the goodness, unmerited love and favor. The idea is, is one of the greatest truths as we started, I know, is that he lives within you. But parallel to that is that you and I are in him. When you take Jesus' name, he lived the perfect life, and you can put him in front of all of the ifs in the promises, and Jesus fulfills them perfectly for you, for me. Jesus does all of the ifs on your behalf and mine. He's done the work. He's done it all for us. And all we have to do is acknowledge that we are in him. Stop fighting with the ifs and trying to live a life that you cannot do. It's frustrating. It's actually a bit discouraging. It's kind of a bummer. The promises are yes. It's not contingent on your perfect life because you're not going to do it, and it's okay. This is the goodness of God, the grace of God, his love for you. What a powerful thing to walk away with and to understand. When the ifs go well, Pride can set in, and now I'm disqualified from the promises. I'm just further dis discouraged. <laughs> I'm frustrated. The law points me now, though, because of that, I understand. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our righteousness. We can't earn the blessings of God. It just drives us to the cross, and it's grace, grace, grace. If you become legalistic and get hung up on the ifs, then everything, how you see other people and every other circumstance is ifs also, ifs and thens. It's all based on that. And it, it distorts then that love, that unmerited love and favor that we can extend toward one another because we, we will fail each other. Paul says he understands that those promises are based on if and then, these are the promises that he's talking about. That's, that's the only portion of Scripture that they have at the time. But he says here, it's truly yes. And we would say, so be it. Amen. We would be in agreement with it. Not based on our performance. It's no longer based on performance, but it's based on a person and a personal relationship. I, there's, there's wonderful truths throughout the scriptures, obviously, wonderful promises and great things, but they're all ours in him. It's just in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in anything else. He's fulfilled all the ifs. As a matter of fact, you can place his name in there, as we mentioned, and it does not distort or change the text whatsoever in its fulfillment. You can read it through there in Deuteronomy and you just say, Jesus does then, and it works. 
and we just need to be seen and found in him. And we need to acknowledge that it's him. In chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, it says in verse 26, this kind of makes this all the more clear to us, what we read. It hopefully expands our understanding a little bit. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. God has chosen the things base things of the world and the things which are despised. And God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. This idea of being found in him. You watch that plane going over and you fly, it's flying over. No one's looking and saying, oh, there goes Jim. He's on his way to go get gyoza. No one, you can barely see the plane flying. It's at 35,000, 45,000 feet. What do they see? They see the plane. You see, that's what we desire people to see in our lives. When we're really in him, what should they see? You? Is this all about you? This has nothing, this is really, you're almost has nothing to do with this anymore. You've gotten in with Jesus. You're in him. And that's what should be seen. That's what we want people to see is him. Not only in us, but us being found in him. He's our mode of transportation. And not only that, but then you find everything that you thought you wanted, like the gyoza and everything else, you find all the things that you want in life are available. You think you want this and that, and then you find out, wow, they, this is pretty good. Well, it depends on what airline you travel on, doesn't it? Because some things aren't so good. But a lot of the international food is quite good. Some of the places you ride, the food's great. But you find that you're, being, you're getting what you really need. Look, it, the deal is this. He said that he is the great I am the becoming one. God has not changed. From the time he stood, Moses stood and kicked off his sandals and is in front of the burning bush. And he said, who do I say sent me? Man, I'll go, but man, I, what are we talking about here? You know, I am that I am. The great becoming one. What is your need? He is the becoming one. He is the door, isn't he? He's the door to the sheepfold. He is the bread of life, the one that sustains us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that you want, everything that I want is found in him. It's so important. It's not found in these external other things. It's found just in him. If we could grasp and embrace and walk in this simple truth, because I know sometimes we feel like, well, I can't live up to all this stuff. I, I see the ideal, I see the concept, but I, I so regularly just miss it. But that's where you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, and you start reading that list, and you say, that's cool. I'm part of that group then. I'm just the nobodies, and it's not a problem. I fit right in. 
You see, no one can live all of sin, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone's missed the mark. But Jesus has given us entrance. And it's to his glory that all of these things work, to bring him honor and to bring him glory. So, while it is true that he dwells within us, and it's a powerful truth and a wonderful truth, I think one of the parallel, equal to, awesome, wonderful truths is that you and I positionally, our position as believers are that we are in him. We are found in him. Therefore, all of the promises of God are yes. You're not turned down. You're not disqualified. All of the promises in him are yes, and so be it. That is so encouraging to me. And it's not based on my ability to perform or do anything. It's based on personal relationships, someone whom I know. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. We can rest now in him as he ultimately will carry us to our destination. We can sit back and rest in him, knowing our lives belong to him. He is within us and we are positionally placed in him. If you read through Ephesians, the first three, six, six chapters, the first three chapters all discuss who you are, who I am, who we are as Christians in Christ. It will continually say in Christ, in Jesus, in him. It will continually say that for the first three chapters. And then it tells us about how you and I live our life out practically how we interact with other people and, and what, what our lives should be like with our employer-employee relations, how our husbands and wives, how our family should be, what our lives should be like as Christians living in this world that's messed up. How to live godly amidst an ungodly society. That's what he tells us. But he tells us that after he affirms to you and affirms to me three chapters worth of who we are and what we have in him. Positionally, we're placed in that spot where we're in him. He's the vehicle. He's the, the way we get around. He, he's what sustains and does everything. This is why as we partake of the bread and the cup today, as we spend time in communion, this is what's a, a wonderful truth is not only are we partaking of it, and we're taking that in, and it's assimilating and becoming a part of our body. But it's also the acknowledgement that positionally, we are in him. We're placed in him. Powerful, wonderful truths to know. So when he says this, for all the promises, all, he doesn't exclude any, does he? All the promises of God in him are yes. He will withhold no good thing from you or me. He loves you. He wants to bless you. We are to be in him. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God. You remember how they had anoint kings, they'd pour oil over them or anoint you know, things for service, basically. You and I have been anointed for service. All of us as believers have been have an anointing upon our lives for service. An unction, it's his presence within us, who also has sealed us 
and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Down payment. So the good things that we know about, the good things that we can acknowledge is that he lives within us. And that fact that he lives within us is the guarantee, the the earnest, the down payment saying you're in him. You also have been sealed. And when it talks about the seal, we talk about this from time to time, how they understood clearly. They would send off a servant that would go out and they would be a steward for, their, for the master's household. And he would go out and he would be gathering up from foreign lands and all kinds of different places, things that the master wanted for his home or uh, whether it was goods or foods or anything like that. And then they would be crated up and ready for shipment. But there would be a band put around it and this big, like, wax plop put on there. And then he would take his, he had a ring with his master's insignia and information, and he would stomp it right into the wax and pull it out. And it would leave this mark on there that it has been sealed. This is the thing. It has been sealed. And in the realm of the Spirit, you and I, is, we've been sealed. And in the realm, spirit realm, you're marked out as his possession. You belong to God. You've been marked, sealed with the spirit of promise, the spirit that dwells within you, within me, marks us. And we are seen as belonging to our master until we get to the destination. And he takes full possession. But you and I belong to him. We are his. It's a done deal. The spirit is the guarantee, the down payment of the proof of his, the value of who he is within us and what we have in him. What a great thing. Man, this morning when we partake of the bread and the cup, man, we should be those people for sure, for sure, that are humbling ourselves before the mighty God, saying, God, we love you and we thank you for the cross. To me, you may know massive scholarly information, and that is awesome. But the simple truth that you belong to the master, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is the most powerful thing that you and I could ever know. It doesn't matter how much Greek and Hebrew you can recite and know, it's nothing, zero. Nothing compares to the knowledge the excellency of the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. What a powerful thing. Paul said that. All of the things that he knew, he counted them rubbish. And he was a a well-learned man. And he counted it all rubbish compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Personal relationship. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it, kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. 
But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain. Come, Lord Jesus, come.